Welcome, folks, to Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Oh, my God, we're back. My name is Chris Peterson. I am the founder of edit- and editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog and OnStageBlog.com. Um, thrilled to be back on this podcast. I am one of three hosts tonight. Joining me to my virtual left is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? Good day, sir. Good day. I am so happy to be on. We have so much to talk about this week. The world might be on fire, but the world of entertainment always burns. Yes, indeed, indeed. And then to my virtual right uh, is Mr. Josh Tonra. How are you? I'm so happy to be back, Chris. And, And let me say thank you for welcoming me back. It was one year ago tonight that I first appeared on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. And I'm happy, oh, happy to be back. Absolutely. Last time Whoa. last time it was from last time I was in Hoover, Alabama. This time I'm broadcasting from the friendly confines of Avon, New York. Wow. Beautiful. I, I had no idea. Like that's what a what a cool anniversary. I had no idea. What time flies by the way. That felt like it was yesterday. Just you Yeah, know. I know. I know. Crazy, <laughs> right? Must be the must be this quarantine that we've been in for the past three months that just blew time by. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know about I don't know about you, Chris, but it seems like twenty years ago we started this podcast. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, guys, it's it's great talking to you again. And for those folks who are listening to the first time, uh, what we like to do on this podcast is basically bring interesting, newsworthy stories from the world of entertainment, whether it be movies, music, sports, books, cooking, whatever it may be to you know fill your time nowadays. Uh, we want to talk about it on this podcast, but the kicker is I have no idea what Ben and Josh are bringing to the table, and they have no idea what I'm bringing to the table. So this way, all the reactions and discussion, it's all spontaneous. Uh, nothing's pre-planned. Uh, everything that you're hearing is absolutely genuine. So, I mean, I Greg, uh, I'm sorry, Ben... I'm getting my names mixed up because I'm on Sony podcast nowadays. Ben uh, <laughs> has been chomping at the bits literally for like the past 48 hours uh, to, to talk about the things he wants to talk about this podcast. So I better let him go first. So Ben, yeah. kick us off, man. All right. You know, I love our girl Lynette, but she doesn't like the sports. So I held back on some stories. Um, I've been watching a lot of sports, a lot of sports documentaries, but the big news of the day that I can't wait to hear your guys' thoughts on is uh, MLB back at the end of July with a 60-game season. Mm. Now, the big deal was, you know, it was the players' union versus the owners uh, fighting over pay, fighting over, uh, you know, how, how we're going to get paid and all this stuff. And my man Dan Patrick reported on his show. I've been watching him live on YouTube reported that this whole thing, and I don't know how reliable this is, but I believe in Dan Patrick. Uh, he reports that this whole thing was monetary. So meaning they really haven't hashed out this whole, uh, I don't know, this global pandemic thing happening uh, around us. So unlike other leagues that are working with Dr. Fauci, like uh, NBA, NFL, like talking about bubbles for teams and how their bubbles interact, you know, bubbles meaning – uh, players and their trainers, players and um, their subs and all this stuff, you know, being sequestered to this location or Disney World at this hotel. MLB hasn't figured that out. And here we are inside of a week where uh, Blackman for the Colorado Rockies, their dude, the guy with the beard, I love that guy, fantasy all-star, uh, Justin Blackman, uh, tested positive for COVID and three other Rocky players say so they shut them down. There is no... Uh, rules in sight they're planning on traveling all over the country we have 
19 states peaking with COVID right now. I oh, man. heard this news and I was excited. And then I watched the Dan Patrick show and then I was like, nothing's really happening. Uh, you know, I watched some golf today. Uh, I've been watching golf because I turned 40. And instantly you just start watching golf all of a sudden. I've been screaming at the TV like it's the fucking Super Bowl. Um, so, guys, those are, that's my take. I don't think it's happening. Joshua, what, what's your take, first of all? Uh, well, I, I, I was happy. I'm still happy because there's still like a thought in my head that it's actually going to happen. I didn't see the same segment on the Dan Patrick show, though, now that you mention it. I've thought every one of those thoughts uh, about what's going to happen. It's not going to work. It's going to be a complete shit show within, I don't know, like two weeks, three weeks. Like they announced that they announced spring trainings were opening and then the Blue Jays were like, yeah, but six of our players are have tested positive and we're shutting down. The Phillies shut down. Uh, there was one other team that did also. And I remember as, as, as recently as a month ago, you know, the state of Florida was saying, yeah, all the teams can come back and play and everything's going to be fine. And Florida just passed. I think they had almost 6,000 new positive cases uh, yesterday. Uh, It's the most, it, it, yesterday was the most positive cases in the country since this whole thing started. And, and, you know, we all live in New York where we've been, you know, living through, through all of this um, and kind of, I know I've been, you know, behind my hand or my my mouth behind my hand saying, this is going to catch up with you guys, uh, all the different States. And it like, it, definitely the chickens are coming home to roost. Now, all that being said, uh, I want to watch baseball. So I'm still going to be Pollyannish about this and think that it's going to happen and, uh, you know, think that in the absence of Mookie Betts, Betts that the Sox are still going to have a, uh, a decent outfield that somehow Kevin Pillar is going to put up an MVP season uh, in Mookie's place, you know, <laughs> And then we don't have Chris Sale or Rick Porcello or, or uh, uh, Price at the top of the rotation, but somehow we're going to squeak out 40, 40 wins out of 60. Uh, so I don't know. I, like I said, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope it works. But the realist in me says, like, this has got about three weeks on it. Yep. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm extremely, extremely scared about it. I mean, there's certain sports like golf that you can get away with because it's a socially distant sport. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's a no brainer, but I was trying to explain to some of my non-sport coworkers. It's like, you know, basketball, um, you know, if a guard goes out and I'm a forward, uh, yeah, I probably could take his place and we'll play man to man that game or something like that, or two, three zone or something basic, you know, in college basketball. But if my catcher goes out or my pitcher goes out and I'm a, right fielder i have no idea i'm not catching i'm not getting back there i don't know how to put that shit on i have no idea what the hell i'm doing behind that plate no way you could pay me enough money to get thrown a hundred mile per hour ball at my head so that's the problem with baseball it's very specific and when a couple players go down you're screwed like what happens when one of your first your starting five goes down you're supposed to you know jump a day in the rotation in a 60 game season. Now you're burning into middle relievers like nothing. Now you're losing three games. It's it's a nightmare. Now people are getting what? hurt. And then when do players just say, you know what? Screw it. I'm not doing this for a 60 game season to get hurt for the rest of my career. Mm. I don't so, know, dude. Yeah. So I, I know that they, they, they're going to have expanded rosters. You're going to have, 
you know, 30, 30 man rosters to start the season, as opposed to the usual, like 25 man rosters. And then it's going to slowly dwindle down, but you're going to have like similar to the NFL where you have like a practice squad and taxi squad. You're going to be able to do the same thing with like your minor leaguers and your non roster invitees um, to be able to, you know, kind of seamlessly shift between, I, I mean, I presumably Pawtucket, I, or, although I guess like there's no minor league baseball, so they're not going to be, you know, they'll call them up from wherever they are uh, to come in their and, living room. <laughs> yeah. Some, me- some, some like hotel in Mexico where Tom Berenger's uh, drunk and <laughs> just say you're from the Yankees next time. <laughs> Is that you, Tolbert? <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I mean, Chris, I'm what do you got? Work. What do you got? I, I was feeling very, you know, how do I put this? Like, I was ready to let it go and say, you know what? This year is a wash. Let's just don't worry about it. Cancel the season. Concentrate on getting healthy. And then we'll start anew next year. And uh, and then they, the, you know, the rumbling started. And, and I didn't understand what the, you know, the holdup was and stuff like that. But I, I'm kind of with Josh where I'm just like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's 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 going to be weird. I don't think I, – I honestly think the team that's like three games above 500 is going to win the division. Um, yeah. I, I don't see anybody running the table in any way, shape, or form. Because um, I have no idea what, what – first of all, what shape these pitchers are in, uh, pitch, you know, what shape any of these players are in in terms of being game ready. Um, to Josh's point with these extended rosters, get ready to, you know, see people that you've never seen before and probably will never see again play uh, on some of these teams. Um, and you know what? I, I don't know if it's – I honestly don't know if it helps the game or if it hinders it. Uh, because, you know, even though you and I and Josh were, you know, are huge – you know, baseball fans and, and love the sport, you know, you didn't hear this clamoring of like, we need baseball back. Like, you know, it wasn't like that. And, and getting it back kind of in this rushed format, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a, a necessarily a good thing for the game. And, you know, for the team that wins the quote unquote world series, do, is there an, kind of an asterisk that's put next to their title? Like, congratulations, you won, you know, basically the length of a college baseball season, you know, um, uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. If anyone, and absolutely, if someone bats over 400, they're not going to be revered like fucking Ted Williams. Or if they have like a triple crown seat, it's like, yeah, yeah, but you played 60 games. You know, like someone can go hot for 20 games and bat a thousand or something like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. Well, I'm going to paraphrase what Jason Concepcion wrote on Twitter today, which was, uh, you know, basically about the same thing, which is that 2020 has an asterisk next to it. Like, in the World Almanac, 2020 is going to have a gigantic asterisk next to it. It is the year of the asterisk. (laughs) As, like, a partial year. Yeah, Yeah. like a semi-year. Oh, man. The year that never happened. You know, I was thinking about that. Like, maybe, you know, I turned 40, and, uh, you know, the lovely lady, Katie, she she threw a great party, you know, socially distant. We had, you know, six people over and stuff. And, you know, bless her heart, love her. But, uh... It wasn't Vegas or Atlantic City, what I was planning in the back of my head. And so I'm thinking next year, we'll just call 2021-2020, and we'll just act like it didn't happen. Can we do that? (laughs) If Joe Biden gets in there and he's just like, you know what, from the bunker, I'm down here, I'm your president, you won't hear from me for the next four years. Uh, I heard your voices, and uh, we're just starting over. Yeah, Here's the button, and then like this thing comes down, and 
Dick Clark comes out and says it's 2020 again, and then we just do it again. <laughs> as, long as, as long as it's after election day, as long as that counts, then we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, Josh, what do you got to start off this week? All right, we're sticking, we're sticking to sports. Why don't you guys stick to sports? So here's what we're, we're going to do. I, I, I previewed it at the, at the, before we went on air, um, but uh, uh, today for the first time in 30 years, um, Liverpool won uh, the top flight of English football. Um, it's the first time uh, since the Premier League formed that Liverpool has won the championship. I've been a Liverpool fan for the last 15 years. Um, they are I, – I, I don't live and die with them. Um, but they are a team that I truly, truly enjoy watching. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about watching soccer and there's no fans in the stands and, you know, the season was on hold for, for three months and all it took was, you know, the first 20 minutes of yesterday's game, uh, to watch it. And I was right back in it. Uh, and today they won and the celebration is a little bit muted, um, Although there, I think right now there's thousands of people outside of Anfield uh, in Liverpool, which is a really bad idea. But it's hard to when you've gone that long without winning a championship. It's hard to tell people to stay indoors. Uh, but what I was really thinking about today was, uh, you know, this team that won, um, and the season's not over with. They've just clinched it. They've clinched it earlier than any other team has in English football history. But this team. Um, is such an awesome group of ambassadors for the sport, um, but also for, you know, uh, kind of our, our, our current climate and seeing, seeing yourself as, you know, world citizens and taking care of each other and everything. This is a, a team that's owned by uh, the Fenway group. So it's Tom, uh, or it's John Henry and Tom Warner, uh, who own the Red Sox, also own Liverpool. They're coached by a German you know, two of their strikers are, uh, they're Muslims uh, from Africa, Mohamed Salah's from Egypt, and uh, Sadio Mane's from Senegal. You've got guys from, uh, from England, you've got guys from Holland, Croatia, Brazil, uh, you know, all over, the, all over the map. They're white, they're black, um, Hispanic, uh, and they're loved, they're beloved uh, all around the world. And right now in the Premier League, for the first two weeks of the year, they're not wearing names on the back of their jerseys. It just reads uh, Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys. And they're wearing patches, uh, the BLM patches on one side, and they're wearing National Health Service patches on the other. Um, you know, I wish there was that kind of show of support uh, that was going on in American sports right now. I hope that we see that when the NBA starts back up again. Um, but it's a reason to cheer today. Uh, and, and I think that's what we missed. That's what was missing from not having March Madness, not having the Masters, not having, uh, you know, the NHL playoffs, the Stanley Cup. Um, and it was great to get a taste of that today. Hmm. It really was. Nice. That's awesome. You know, Josh, that's a great point. You know, that is what sports does for us. And other than uh, different than any other kind of medium, you know what I mean? Like there's so many ways to ingest movies, TV, <laughs> concerts and we can be sequestered in like oh i like this type of movie or i like this type of and we can like we can kind of be in our own stack but sports there's something about that brings it together i mean and 
you can you can speak any language and still enjoy the same game. I mean, Josh, I remember watching the World Cup with you in Rochester, and it oh, was yeah. France and Ger- France and Germany, right? Was that the game? It was Germany and Ghana. Ghana and the guy. There was a guy with a German jersey, and there was a guy with a Ghana jersey. They must have been going to the, like RIT or something like that. Yep. And it was, it was a great game where it was, it was such an awesome. And it was in the Old Toad, which is a traditional English pub. Chris, this place is epic, by the way. Uh, and they just have, <laughs> like just great. They only great they only let, and it's, yeah, they only let Brits work there. They they don't yeah. hire anybody else other than Brits to work there. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that's the kind of thing where you can walk into any establishment, any country in the world, any, any city, any state, you can sit down, watch a baseball game, soccer game, football game, golf match, and you can get into it. And that is something that is lacking in this world. Totally Josh here, here, that's cheers, Liverpool. That's great. Up the reds. Yeah. <laughs> and nice. I, I, you know, there's just one other thing like, I, and, and I, I have not been able to get into like Korean baseball because I haven't had a rooting interest. And I figured out like, it's not just sports. I won't just watch anything. Like I, you know, the, the, we talked for over the course of several podcasts about the last dance. We loved it because it was excellent. And because we were like emotionally invested in that, that era of basketball, you know, I, I didn't like, uh, the, the summer, summer slam documentary. I thought that movie sucked. You know, and they glossed over a lot of stuff, and and I didn't. Oh, think the it was long very... gone summer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever they call it. That was it. terrible. Yeah, that was that wasn't any good. So it's not just sports; it's the ones that you, you know, it gives you something to care about again. Yeah, and, and you know, and all you can—I don't know about you, but the long gone summer doc, I checked that out, and you know. The Last Dance was a great replacement for live sports because you got to relive a lot of moments. And, you know, the the long gone summer was just... I wish that summer took place in 2020 with a giant asterisk next to it because yeah. those guys ruined so many records. Ruined! With a capital R. They just ruined baseball. And, like, here's Bob Costas on the thing going, like, you know, records really matter, mean a lot to baseball. It's like, yeah, Bob, they did <laughs> before that <laughs> fucking summer. You fucking and like it's like, yeah, you guys might have become famous or more famous as announcers and announcing these crazy games. Like he hit 61. It's like, and like the whole thing, Josh, just glossed over how much they used. I mean, I yeah. there was more expose in the freaking uh what do you call it? The bicyclist. Oh my god, I totally brain fart. What's what's the bicyclist Lance, name? Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong. There was more expose in that. I mean, the guy was glossing over a lot of nasty shitty things he did, but he owned up to a lot like right off the bat and so you could watch a little bit of it and go, "Oh, this guy had a crazy life." But that one, they just threw them in a documentary about baseball, they threw them softballs. Mm, yeah. For them to hit out of the park. Well, it was just Andro gel. Bullshit. Andro gel doesn't make your neck grow like three times the size of a sequoia. It's just so <laughs> stupid. It's just like Andro gel. Get the fuck out of here, Andro gel. I've known people. I've had clients on Andro gel. I've never seen them bulk up like Barry Bonds in two months. Like, hey, Ben, what's going on? Oh, my God, what happened? This Andro gel made you just rip down a wall of a house. So stupid. My God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But anyway, so that's my rant about that because 
that did not get me excited for sports. And I was like, and I was with Chris I, after I watched that thing. I was like, you know what? Maybe baseball needs like a time, a reset button. Maybe, yeah. we, maybe 2020 is an ultimate reset. We just hit reset and we go, you know what? The hall of fame is the hall of fame in Cooperstown. Let's just hit reset. Okay. And we're going to open in 2021. We're going to open the, the showy Otani baseball hall of fame in Japan. You want to go, you want to go see the new stats. They're going to be over there because Korea's got their shit together. Fucking Japan's got their shit together. They got baseball going on. And it's because of they have wide testing. They got safe. Everyone's feeling safe. They're they're rocking and rolling. And why don't we just do that? And hit reset because we ruined this sport. And you see these other countries with these, you know, Korean baseball is great because you have these smaller players. They're athletic. They're not built like, you know, shit brick houses or whatever, just like hitting home runs. It's an awesome sport to watch. It reminds me of what baseball should be. And Josh, yeah, you know, sports need to come back, but they need to come back in a way that I can root for them again and feel something again. I don't know, dude. Chris, what do you think, bro? You know, it's funny. You you kind of nailed it where with the whole long gone summer thing. Where as I, as I was watching it, I think at one point they started talking about like McGuire's focus. And his like meditation technique, which is what helped him hit the ball. I'm like, really? <laughs> like, it was your meditation? Yeah, and he's like, you know, baseball's b- always been in my blood. I was like, that's not the only thing that was in your blood, bro. <laughs> I mean, I, and and then like Sosa, which who by the way just looks weird. I I, yeah. I don't want to be mean about be, anybody yeah, who I'm has to be cultural sensitive. I, I want to be sensitive to people that have that medical condition. I get it, but he looks but, weird. But he doesn't say that he has the medical condition. He says he just uses a skin cream that has bleach in it. I Googled it. Like he oh, doesn't really? say there's yeah, he doesn't say that it's not like he has the the Michael Jackson thing where his like skin is you know, and he has oh, to go through I surgery. Th- I honestly no. thought that's what he had. Okay. And because people have asked him, he's like, No, no, it's just this facial cream. But with Sosa, you never know if there's like a language barrier. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just, I just love how he, you know, and the great thing was you watch all those interviews with him and McGuire and he's, he's talking, he's, he's joking around, knows perfect English, gets to his Senate testimony. And all of a sudden he's like, I, I can't, what? I don't understand English anymore. And then jump to the documentary and he's, he's speaking perfect English again. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to thank God and the people of Miami. I love I love the world. I'm I'm good. I'm go with God, you know. And it's like, and then like, no say uh, English, like uh, you know, when the Senate is asking you shit. <laughs> and my thing is so this. Weird. I mean, he's his, his whole thing was look. I'll admit it when all the other guys admit it too. And I'm like that that can't be an answer. Like that's because that's never gonna happen. You know it. Um, and your legacy is forever tarnished in my mind. I mean, of, of between those two guys, actually, I would say that I have more ill will towards Sosa because of his inability to just say, yeah, you know what? That was 20 some odd years ago. Yeah, I did it. Okay. What are you going to do about it now? Uh, right. At least McGuire. Yeah. McGuire came out and he said he got into the, you know, the, um, the Reds hall or the St. Louis Cardinals hall of fame. And you're like, all right, he admitted like. It's still not good though. Like no. what you did to the game is so terrible. Here's Roger Maris. You know what I mean? Listen, I'm a Sox fan, but poor Roger Maris like died at like 51 of cancer. You know what I mean? Like the right. early 80s. 
And, you know, they talk about Roger Maris, the pressure that his hair is falling out at the end of the season because he's just like so nervous about these reporters like, oh, are you going to break the record? Like he's like freaking out like he's freaking out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the poor guy did it and like broke the record. And it was just so crazy. And they talk about Babe Ruth. Definitely not on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, the opposite of steroids. (laughs) You know, the the guy I feel bad, the guy I feel bad for in that documentary or the, or the person that they didn't talk about enough is Ken Griffey Jr. And I, he had his own documentary that was on Sunday uh, on uh, MLB network, which I didn't get to see, but that, that guy, like, you know, I'm sure he felt the same sort of frustration that a guy like Barry Bonds felt that you're, you're the best player in baseball and nobody's paying any attention to you because these like juiced up Godzillas are hitting the ball 600 feet. Um, Mm. But like he never took that turn. I think that, you know, the way that the way that uh, bonds did Um, and the guy ended up finishing with like 625 career home runs. Uh, He's, I think he's the only guy to have 400 home runs with one team and 200 home runs with another um, or maybe he was at the time. I think Bonds may have yeah. got, may have done that too, but he he did it. He grounded out for 21 years uh, in the in the league, um, and he was everybody's favorite. Mm. He was everybody. Everybody loved Ken Griffey Jr. Everyone. Yeah, I got um, his rookie card in the basement. Yep. Yeah, and, and what's you know what's not to love? Like the guy who the guy who's amazing at every facet of the game and loves it and has that you know look on his face all all the time. Um, but he, you know, Bonds was, and that's always the tragedy with him. Bonds was like a hall of famer. If he never took a steroid, if he had retired at the end of the 1998 season, he'd have been a first ballot hall of famer. And they'd say it was the, he was the best all around player since Willie Mays. Yep. And, and, and that would have been the, yeah, like he's a dick, but they wouldn't, he wouldn't be out of the hall of fame, you know? And, and right. And that's why, like a guy like Griffey gets in on the on the first ballot, uh, almost unanimously, and the rest of those guys are still outside holding the roids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and and it's kind of like what you're saying, Chris. You know, I, I think you mentioned it. Like, base, I want baseball back, but I want it to be good for the sport. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Josh was just, you know, reporting that, you know, Liverpool won. And it's great. It's a great feel good thing. And people are outside the stadium going nuts. I'm watching golf like with the most enthusiasm I've ever watched fucking golf (laughs) in my (laughs) life. And then you have Dana White talking about UFC. I've talked about that on the podcast. Like he's saying he bought Fight Island. Everyone gets COVID testing. Everyone's sequestered for two weeks when they get to the island. He looks like gold. He looks that that sport and that that whole sport looks great right now because they're following protocol. Everyone's safe. He's taking care of his players, his athletes. Mm. And I can't say the same for baseball right now. And if it comes out that they force people to play or they kind of hide things that they've famously done in the past, if they hide like, oh, well, this team needed a catcher, but they hid that they had COVID, but it'll be okay because he's behind a mask. If they do some shit like that, I'm telling you, the sport that is unpopular, us three on the air right now like baseball, but it was already teetering on unpopular to begin with. Right. If something comes out like that and makes it less popular, I don't know about the future of baseball, period. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I I think you're making some some solid points there. So, yeah, 
well, stay tuned, I guess. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Um, so really quickly, I mean, I, I have three things, but they're all pretty quick, but I'll, I'll start here. Um, so we're kind of living in this really interesting past couple of weeks, really stemming from the Black Lives Matter movement, where cancel culture is like at an all time high. Um, and people are now getting called out, dragged for things that they literally did decades ago from the usage of racial slurs to blackface to inappropriate jokes. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. I mean, it's like every day of the week, it's a different comedian getting dragged for something. And you know, it's, it's a weird time because the problem that I have is that with all of this happening, um, the important stuff, like the, the actual stuff that really was a problem uh, is getting drowned out, so to speak, and is kind of being looked at as another, just another thing. Uh, and some of that is basically like allegations of things like sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, things like that. So what's interesting, though, and I want your take on this, guys, is a couple celebrities who have been accused of things like sexual misconduct are now fighting back against their accusers. And news kind of broke today. And this will probably be the one and only time that I talk about him on this podcast. But Justin Bieber uh, was accused by two young women on Twitter for sexual misconduct, sexual sexual assault, actually, I should say. Mm. And, you know, they, they said, you know, he, he assaulted me at this hotel at this time on this date in this year. And... Very, very quickly, Justin Bieber shot back and said, look, that's not true because I actually have the receipts to show that I was not at that hotel, you know, and that night at that time. And now it, the news broke today that he's actually suing the two women that made the accusation um, for $20 million, which these two young ladies do not have. So I know why he's doing this because obviously, you know, when someone – try to defame you in such a way that you you want to fight back as much as possible. However, is it a good look to go to this length, I guess, to sue accusers? I don't know. Josh, let me start with you because you're a kind of yeah. a legal, you're the, the official legal correspondent for this show. Yeah, Justin Bieber's yeah. lawyer right here. <laughs> Justin Bieber's lawyer. <laughs> when it comes to things like these defamation lawsuits and stuff like that, I mean, is this a good move? I guess is is this something that that Justin Bieber should be doing, or should he just have denied the allegations? You know, show the receipts. I guess that he wasn't there, and, and let that be that. No, it's a terrible idea. It's a it's a horrendously bad idea. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Like two reasons. One's like a PR stand from a PR standpoint. Uh, there's the you know you scored the touchdown. Just hand the referee the ball and walk away. You mm. don't have to. You don't have to like grab your crotch and in, in the end zone. But like, if there's any validity to the claim, let's say he's, the girls have, have the, the, the women, I'm sorry, the women have the dates wrong. What if it's the different night? Yeah. He's not there that night, but it happened a different night and they just have the date wrong. Mm. When you, when you sue somebody or you counter sue, uh, there's a discovery period. And you subpoena and the court orders you to produce uh, documents that are relevant to the case. Uh, and this, uh, you know, that's the sort of thing where uh, something might come out that like, oh, yeah, you know, that you're right. It wasn't that date, but it was a different date 
when you were at this hotel and so were we and we just got the date wrong Hmm. so i think you're better off just saying you know i i don't you know i certainly don't remember it i wasn't you know i'm showing you i wasn't there perhaps you're mistaken you should always believe you know you should always believe victims first that's absolutely the right thing to do but uh i i would just like i said hand the ball to the referee and and go celebrate your touchdown with your teammates see that's why i love having you on this podcast there it is uh ben what are your thoughts on on kind of cancel cancel culture kind of going uh, basically on steroids right now uh you know i think it's it's very warranted Uh, there's a lot of stories coming out like changing brands of long-standing uh products like Aunt Jemima and stuff like that. And yep. Dixie, Dixie chicks are taking Dixie out of their name and, uh, lady antebellum, another country. Uh, do you guys know what antebellum means? Yeah. Yeah. I did not until the story broke that it's a, it's the way things were pre civil war. That's what that literally means. It's a, it's a word that was derived just from pre civil war, like the American civil war. It's not from another, uh, part of history that was wild. So uh, I, I, I think this is cor- the correct thing to do. Uh, it's not going to make me listen to their music, but <laughs> it's it's the right <laughs> thing to do. Uh, but you know what? Like, and when people say, and when people think that it's going too crazy, oh, you shouldn't change. Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Things are meant to change. You know what I mean? Someone brought up to me, you know, they're talking about changing the, names of the military bases like fort bragg and stuff like that it's like yeah why why you know why can't fort bragg be fort powell mm, mm-hmm. why, why can't it be another general you know what i mean that or anyone like someone else that is not like in why can't our dollar bills change faces to not slave owners i, I don't know <laughs> you know what i mean like how come our right. dollars can't change how come I, I don't know. Like in this world that we don't really use money anymore, wh- how come? Like it's more of a symbolic thing anyway. I think people need to get around it and just learn to change. I think that's that's the kind of talk that keeps us stuck in ways and lets racism kind of like sit hidden. You mm. know what I mean? Like I got mm-hmm. this, you know, I really like the Dukes of Hazard. Don't like the Confederate flag, but I love the Dukes of Hazard. Like that kind of shit, like lets racism sit underneath and just lets it breathe. So I'm with it, Chris. I'm all in. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, Ben, what's your number two this week? Number two. All right, let's get to some serious topics. You guys ready? All right. Still in the topic of sports, this was a shocking story that broke the world. You guys ready? Because I want to hear your thoughts. Billy Mitchell's Donkey Kong (laughs) and Pac-Man high scores are reinstated by the Guinness World Records. There's a video. There's everything. <laughs> you guys saw the movie. Yep. You know that. So November 7th, 1982, the highest score Donkey Kong, 874,300 points reinstated. First perfect score in Pac-Man reinstated. High score Donkey Kong reinstated. Another high score Donkey Kong. Another high score Donkey Kong. This was shocking. I recommended uh, King of Kong to everyone as Still, I rewatched it the other night. Still, the best, if not the best documentary, but the best sports documentary known to man. I have never seen a movie where you have such 
an antagonist, a real life antagonist, and it's almost <laughs> like he freaking knows it. He embodies it. He owns his own barbecue sauce line. It's out of control. He's got the mullet. He is just such. Oh my god. Billy Mitchell is the foil of the world. Like if he created coronavirus, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he is such a heel. <laughs> and so this was shocking. Guinness Book of World Records is on board. But we also, if you rewatch King of Kong, the guy that, uh, you know, at Twin Galaxies that, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? That uh, says that the scores are okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, Walter Day. Here you go. Walter Day. He is kind of like hand in hand with Guinness. Hmm. So can we really trust this story? And if you watch the video, it's the guy from Guinness. It's the it's Billy Mitchell talking about it. it's Walter Day. They're all thick as thieves inside of the King of Kong documentary. So much so that Steve Wiebe is setting the world record in real life. And Billy Mitchell from Florida sends up a tape that's like kind of scratchy VHS and like takes over the record. This was shocking. Um, guys, all right, a couple questions. Were you as shocked as I was? Uh, and <laughs> do, do you smell King of Kong 2 on the horizon? Because I do. Oh. Josh, take it away. Yeah, Josh. Uh, was I uh, hard no? <laughs> was I... That's a hard no. What was I surprised or or or, uh, or interested? I love that you, I love your take on uh, on Billy Mitchell being a wrestling heel because that's like the first thing that I thought of with him is like he's like a pure heel. <laughs> he's like uh, the Iron Sheik. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like I I I don't care. <laughs> Honestly, oh. I, I I love that I love that it's out there and I love that there's a subculture of people competing with each other to get the highest score on games that have been out for longer than I've been alive. Uh, it's that's that part of it is, is fantastic. Uh, it, it didn't grab me. That story definitely did not grab me. I mean, listen, we're, we're all in a pandemic. People are speed running games faster than we can count. I mean, they're setting records every day. But I understand where you're coming from because I put this on. Katie was on her phone. I was just going to put something on. And she's on her phone. And she looks up a couple of times. She's like, can we just stop watching this? I just don't want to see this fucking guy talk anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I told you. He's the worst bad guy of all time. That's the best. That is the best. I, I mean, I, I really have nothing to add. Uh, justice served, I guess. I, 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 right? Yeah. Right? Justice served. No way. This guy, he's getting away with murder, guys. <laughs> and yes, I, I would love a, I would love a King of Kong too. Though, by the way, that'd be that'd be awesome. But uh, that, that would be great. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Josh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, ahead, hold on, hold ahead. on. I'm not gonna let you besmirch my story that I brought up. Listen, <laughs> l- listen to this quote. All right, Guinness World Records. The scores were reinstated following a re-examination of the records in question, and an emergence of key eyewitnesses and expert testimonials. Now, I want to see these tapes. I want Congress to bring these guys up, and I want to see them under oath say this shit. <laughs> well, what, 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 what,
no yeah, English. A translator. Uh, I have my nerd translator. I just speak nerd. <laughs> so I have this person to read the statement. For me. You know what, Amazing. Ben? I need I need to rethink this. You're right. We don't need to talk about you know Bill Barr and what's going on with the Attorney General's office and the Department of Justice. Like we need a hearing on King of Kong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I was instructed by the president to reinstate uh, Billy Mitchell's 1982 King Kong. Oh wait, <laughs> you're on, you're onto something. He knows too much. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you see like Donald Sutherland on the bench with like the folder outside the Washington Monument, handing it off? I can totally see it. JFK, like you can just Oliver Stone should re- should uh, direct King of Kong too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Josh, what do you got for your number two this week? Oh, I got all kinds of stuff. Do you guys want to talk about some more video games? I got video game news for you. <laughs> do it. Uh, last, uh, last week uh, at uh, EA Play, which was held online instead of in person this year, uh, for uh, EA to announce their new slate of games, uh, one shined brighter than all other ones. Did you guys happen to see the trailer for Star Wars Squadrons? Yes. Yes, Dude, all right. So, yeah. I mean, this is the intersection of, of my, you know, two of my important areas of interest being Star Wars and video games. Um, How about the law and your kids? They're close third. <laughs> uh, they're tied for third. Um, <laughs> nice. So, like, I really, I mean, I, I played uh, The Empire Strikes Back on the Atari at uh, Andy Phillips's house, like most of my pre-adolescent years, but but you know after that, like there weren't really great Star Wars games uh, until uh, the X-wing series uh, flight simulators came out in the early '90s, and those are the games that I like. I really cut my teeth on in right, computer right. gaming. PC, and, right? PC, I remember yep. those. Yep. And I mean, you know, X-wing was great. Uh, Tie Fighter to this day is still considered one of the one of the best computer games ever made. Uh, it was the first time you ever got to play as the Empire in any uh, computer game or video game format. The, you know, the only way to do it before that was to be, you know, basically the Star Wars role playing game. Um, and, and you know, it kind of there was a there was a third one in the series, uh, X Wing Alliance, which was freaking fantastic. Like great story, great cutscenes. Like the you know the graphics were awesome, and it was just a fun game to play. Um, so this one is going to be just dedicated. Uh, as a flight simulator, you know, which was part of Battleground or Battlefront Two, um, but I, I I like it. Um, there's I, I saw a theatrical trailer, I saw the gameplay trailer. Those both look good. You've got a story mode, you've got campaign, you've got like five v five, including uh, fleet battles, where you're like, uh, you know, trying to disable different capital ships and shit like that. And this is like, this is all right in my wheelhouse. Um, so I'm still trying to do sort of, you know, figure out what's what else is going on, you know, like what ships you're going to be able to use. Um, I'm a little disappointed that it's post Battle of Endor. Um, you know, the last Battlefront was set then. Also, I'd like to right. have it across. Right. I'd like right. to have it really ac- across, you know, the different eras. Uh, you know, whether it's uh, pre-Empire or pre, you know, Battle of the Evan or whatever, but. I'm super psyched about it. I don't know how you guys are feeling about it. I can't wait. October 2nd. Uh, we're not going to be doing anything else. So it can't come soon enough. <laughs> yeah, no, it looks it looks really good. Really, really good. 
Yeah, like, uh, you know, Josh, I went back and on May the 4th, you know, big props to Microsoft Xbox Live. Um, they come out with amazing deals on Xbox Live. And I bought all of, over the arcade, Xbox Live Arcade, I bought all of the old school Xbox games. You know, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, all those games. And um, they are just um, still amazing games and i i i'm with you i like jumping you know what i mean like this is this is pre death star exploding in this i like i like playing like episode one stuff i like playing all those stuff that's the best part of the prequels is playing those levels yeah it's some in, in some cases the only part of the prequels that 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 are likable um right you know in in, in that era and, and actually the original battlefront 2 and i believe it was on uh it was on the Xbox, not the Xbox 360. I mean, where you basically played as the 501st, so you know the Legion that became Vader's fist um, from all, like from Episode One all the way through uh, Order 66 and into uh, the original the original trilogy, like on the game, and that was phenomenal. Such yeah. a great game. Yeah. Wait, wait. What's that game called? Sorry. That was the original Battlefront two. So yeah, Battle no, Front that's what I was talking about. Xbox. Yep. Yeah, those are the ones I was talking about. That they were for they were five bucks on May the fourth this oh, year and last year, and so awesome I got them stuff. all. And and it's just great. I, I even Deacon loves playing them. I mean, there's still games that hold up, and they sped up the load time, so they're like new games. It's great, great stuff. Yep. Yep. Awesome, 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 awesome. Um, all right. Well, moving on. Um, so my second pick this week, real quick, guys. I saw a. Uh, news story that I thought was interesting. Uh, we all talk. We all talk. We're big movie fans, and uh, obviously, a dream job for many people is to be kind of a studio head and kind of decide how what movies get made and whatnot. But an interesting story came out this week that uh, when Quentin Tarantino was um, shopping the Hateful Eight, uh, he brought it to Universal, and the head of Universal at the time came up with this. I guess was a you know, what he thought was a great idea uh, was to instead of doing the seventy millimeter cinemascope that Tarantino wanted to do, uh, he said, "Wouldn't it be great if we released this movie exclusively on iPhones?" And with that, verbatim, uh, Tarantino said, "That's a great idea." Got up and walked out of the meeting. And then- <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, gentlemen, did, would you have ever, ever uh, accepted a Quentin Tarantino film released exclusively on an iPhone? Greg, uh, excuse me, Ben, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's a great story, Chris. Great story. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of like when they asked uh, David Lynch, what does he think of product placement in films today? And he just like looks at the guy and he just says, absolute fucking bullshit (laughs) um but i you know what's sad about the statement is good for tarantino but we might get a tarantino film released directly to vod soon yeah because we might be stuck inside you know what i mean so yes yeah yeah so i mean the guy from universal might have been speaking some future truth (laughs) josh what do you think about that would you have ever for especially a Tarantino film, let alone just any movie, but a Tarantino film exclusively on an iPhone. 
I the thing that popped in my head as you were saying that story was like, wow, way to read the room, dude. Way to do your homework <laughs> before that guy came in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'd never watch. I, I, I now, I am not technologically savvy. Ben will tell you. I still have a flip phone. I do not have a. I do not have a smartphone of any of any kind. So if I if Quentin Tarantino released uh, or or any studio released a Quentin Tarantino movie solely on iPhone, I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't be able to see it. Mm. Um, so and and just yeah, it's a terrible idea. You you <laughs> could do that with like what was the movie that was shot in like uh, first person a couple years ago? Was it Hardcore Harry? Yes. Yeah, do oh, that yeah. on iPhone. Let, let's right. do that one on iPhone. You know, or, and you can tell. Let me know how it is. But not like if it had been in Glorious Bastards or something like that, I'd have fucking lost my mind if it was only available on iPhone. <laughs> oh, I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, so oh, neither. Okay. God. So the consensus is that that would not be a good idea. Okay. Yeah, it's terrible not, idea. It's not a, good, a terrible idea. <laughs> and like you listen to Tarantino on the Ringer podcast network, like his favorite movie of like the past 10 years is Dunkirk. <laughs> a movie that's shot in like amazing scope and stuff. Like, yeah, he likes big movies, so yeah, he's not gonna fly with that. Love it, love it. Uh, all right, Ben, what's your number three this week, my man? All right, so Chris and Lynette and I have been tackling Black Lives Matter and Eight Forty Six, the Dave Chappelle special. We've been talking a lot about those topics because we we. I think it's negligent for us not to bring up this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I, there, I don't know who said the quote, but I think it's silence is violence. You know what I mean? If you stand by while someone's doing some fucked up shit, you're doing that fucked up shit too. Right. So what I want to talk about this week is we've been talking about sports and entertainment, but I want to talk about Bubba Wallace and yeah, the, the noose that is found in his garage. Mm. So... I'm going to call it a noose. I'm going to keep calling it a noose. I've seen the pictures of it. I've seen everything like that. You know, um, I have a couple takes. So I, I have a, a close personal friend. I Listen, and before I start talking about this, I'm not a NASCAR friend or a NASCAR fan. I'm not like a giant like, but I'm a sports fan. You know what I mean? Um, did I know who Bubba Wallace was before last week? No, not at all. But now I do. And... I've seen how the FBI said it was a coincidence and they're not going to investigate. I have a couple theories about that. I, I, I think when NASCAR came out and did the ban of the Confederate flag and they all walked with Bubba, I thought that was a great move. And then this week, it seemed like a backtrack. It, and not that the actual story is fake. I'm not, I'm not doing the conspiracy theory card. I'm not saying like, Oh, they made this up to backtrack and placate their fans that are, you know, old school, semi-racist from down south. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not putting that out there. I'm just saying that the way that they broadcast, if if the FBI, you know, said, you know, said that they found nothing, you know, why really put it out there? And, you know, I think it gives like people a voice to say, see. See, I told you there's nothing wrong with this. And I think it's important for us to talk as ingesters of entertainment and people that are near the entertainment industry and, I don't know, just like citizens of America to say that what happened was fucked up 
And I don't know. Like, I think all the NASCAR people walking with him was a start. But Bubba Wallace isn't the problem here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Richard Petty gave him 43 and, and, and you know, that's a big thing right there. It, we don't need to walk with Bubba Wallace. We need all the NASCAR drivers themselves to come out and say, yeah, you know, all these tents that are outside these NASCAR events, like at Watkins Glen or wherever it is, selling like belt buckles with Confederate flags on them, they need to go. We need to get them out. And you know what? Next time I see someone selling this shit, I'm not going to race. That's what needs to happen. Like one of these racers that come out like Dale Jr. or like one of these big guys in the sport needs to go, you know what? The second I walk into a NASCAR event and see a Confederate flag, I'm not racing that day. How about that, guys? You guys like racing? I'm out. You know what I mean? And that's what needs to happen. Not Bubba Wall standing, any other racer. That's my take. Josh, Love what it. do you think? Love what do you it. Think? I'm, I'm with you 100%. Uh, 100%. I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. As soon as it's the drivers, like two things will drive it. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, you want to change? Like it's going to be the drivers and it's going to be the sponsors because that's what drives that sport. Um, and, and Chris, I, I like what you posted today on, on Facebook and at the, the picture from within the garage. Mm. Let's, call it, let's call it what it is. It's a noose. Yep. You want to call it a hand pull? Fine. Okay, there's what is there 1,800 garages uh, on the NASCAR circuit. Eleven of them have hand pulls, and one of them's got a noose. And it's yep. it just so yep. happens that it's that it's the one that's Bubba Wallace is in. Um, I I applaud what NASCAR did, getting rid of the the Confederate flags uh, within the within the tracks. Like I get it. There's only so much you can do on the outside of it. Um, but but inside, it's absolutely the right move because it's fucking offensive. When you when you turn on TV and and that's what you see, like I didn't, I you know I don't like NASCAR to begin with, but that certainly uh, is a drawback for me to uh, to watch it. Um, but with uh, um, I'm sorry, the the I thought NASCAR did the right thing with this also, you know, putting it out there. Hey, we're investigating this because a noose was found in the garage. Now what they should have done was put out that photograph. That, that Chris posted today uh, yep, that they, yep. they finally put out. And, and you know what? The FBI was called in to find out whether a crime was committed or, or, or not. They did the investigation and they said a crime wasn't committed. I accept that having worked on cases before. Like tr there are people who just like to make nooses. Okay. We've, we've dealt with cases similar to this before here and have invested, uh, investigated hate crimes. That's not the point. The point the is, point. you got yeah, it, man. That's not the there's, point. There's, yeah, there wasn't a crime committed. Okay, that doesn't mean you don't fucking take it down, and it doesn't mean that you don't make a big deal out of it. And they should make a big deal out of it, and they should say this shit. You got, you can't have it. You can't have it because that means something. Right. That, right. and everybody knows it means something, and everybody knows what it means, and anybody who says otherwise is just full of shit and, and i hated going on twitter uh if it, i can't remember if it was last night or the night before uh when when that story broke and seeing assholes like michelle malkin you know calling bubba wallace jesse smollett you know yep. and, like he like somehow he made this up you know and and nascar fans you know all over him and, and you know what fuck them and and they get exactly the reputation they deserve if that's the way they feel about it. 
Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And you know, what's interesting is my, my take was that NASCAR actually is the one that needs to seriously apologize to, to Bubba Wallace because he had no knowledge that this noose was hanging in his garage. Uh, and it's actually, I've, I've read certain reports that it would have, there was very little chance that he would have seen it anyway. Um, but the president of NASCAR, uh, or, or representatives who saw it and parts of his team saw it came to him and just described what they found. So at no point did he see the news, um, in the, before he was told about it. And, you know, so I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, can't you, can't, he, he had nothing to do with the placement of this news. Uh, you know, he, he didn't, it's not a Jesse Slamet thing. It's not a hoax or anything like that. It's, it, it's a, do I think that news had been hanging there uh, before Bubba Wallace got there? I think that rope certainly was hanging there. Was it in the form of a noose? I don't know. But um, I, I think that, you know, you mentioned the statistics, how there's over 1,600 garages on the NASCAR circuit, and that's the only noose or rope that's tied in resemblance of a noose, if you even want to, you know, go that far with it. Um, and it happens to be his trailer or his his dock or whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, for people out there that are thinking this is a hoax, you're racist. That's that's just what it is. You're racist, um, and you you are unable to see the the sides of this because, like I said on Facebook, and, and Josh, you brought it up. If I am the one guy that is being, uh, I guess, credited with NASCAR banning Confederate flags, which apparently was like next to beer, the thing that you brought with you at a, at a, to a NASCAR race. Um, and someone, you know, tells me that, you know, this is hanging in my garage. Yeah. I'm going to think it's a hate crime. I'm going to think it's a deliberate act of hate. Um, so yeah, I don't blame Bubba Wallace at all. I think NASCAR really screwed up the handling of this um, from day one and they owe him a huge uh, apology, uh, and they should take all accountability for it. So that's where I feel. Yeah, uh, I I just think that this the way that the it was like a redaction, like it was like you know like a re, a retraction on page one, you know, what I mean? or redaction, retraction. I always get that retraction. Yeah, retraction. Like it's like on page four, our uh, headline last week that uh, the players marched with Bubba Wallace because of the noose uh, that was false. Like that's the way they're treating it. Like it, it's they're treating it like, all right, this was a big story. All the players marched with them. NASCAR is changing, and then it's like next week. All right, well, but wait, I, and I don't know. Maybe they did this because they lost sponsorship. Maybe they did some stats and lost some fans on the last. Ra- I don't know, but they need to sack up and and change because. Yeah. And like I said before, this happens. With the players, like if LeBron James comes out tomorrow and says, hey, guys, this COVID thing's scary. I'm not playing. Every other player in NBA is not playing. <laughs> like, yep. like everyone's following King James. Like, yo, King James is out. I'm out. Like if if one of the major players in NASCAR says the next time I see a noose, the next time I see a Confederate flag in, in my vision, I don't care if it's outside the stadium, inside the stadium or whatever. I'm not racing. That's that's where the change needs to happen. I agree. I agree. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right, Josh, what's your number three this week? 
Uh, we're gonna on a on a similar bend. I want to talk about some improvements in the entertainment world uh, with regard to uh, to race. Um, first of all, I don't know if you guys saw the news today that uh, Disney World and Disneyland uh, is going to be changing the Imagineering uh, surrounding Splash Mountain. It is going to be changing from. Uh, I mean, for those that don't know, uh, if you go to Splash Mountain. Uh, they've eliminated a lot of the references to Song of the South, but Song of the South is that which upon Splash Mountain is based. Uh, and so they'll play, uh, you know, zippity-doo-dah uh, over the loudspeakers and everything as you're, as you're queuing up for that ride. Um, they are changing it to uh, uh, Princess and the Frog uh, theming, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think that's an awesome way to go. Uh, and the, uh, the the second part of the story, because th these kind of things came back to back today, was uh, that uh, Jenny Slate and Kristen Bell uh, have both decided to step down from uh, the, the shows that they do voice acting on. Uh, Jenny Slate on uh, Big Mouth, which is a show that I love, and Kristen Bell from Central Park, which is a show that I've never heard of. Um, but both of them play uh, African-American girls. Uh, on the on the show, uh, and Jenny Slate had said, you know, I I I took the job to to be the voice of this this girl, uh, you know, whose mother is white and Jewish and whose father is is black because you know my mother I'm Jewish my mom's Jewish. Um, she said, but this is really something that should go to a voice actor. Lynette. And. Yeah, Lynette, if you're listening, there's a job, there's a job available. And, and Kristen Bell did the same thing. Um, and, and kudos to them. Now, I yes. don't. Sorry, this Josh, is, sorry. Yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. This is not the same thing as uh, yellow face or black face uh, or brown face, you know, where you're playing somebody uh, in costume, costuming yourself uh, as uh, you know, somebody of a different race. You know, there was this was in a big thing on Twitter yesterday uh, because you know Jimmy Kimmel, who politically I, I respect and I think he's kind of funny, uh, is getting called out for some pretty bad blackface routines that he did on the Man Show back in the in the late '90s. You know, playing Oprah and playing Carl Malone. Carl um, Malone, famously, right? Yeah, but I, I think this is a great step, if only because. There aren't enough uh, voice actors of color working right. out there, um, and and you know kudos to them. Now both of them are, you know, but Kristen Bell in particular uh, never has to work a day in her life uh, again. Um, but this is a great. Th I think this is a great move for her, and I and and just a great move for everybody. I hope more people uh, follow that. I hope more people follow that example. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I, it was one of those situations where when I read it at first, when I really thought about it, I was like, eh, is this really a big deal? But then I thought to myself, you know what? It kind of is because, Josh, you nailed it on kind of its head. The voiceover uh, acting community is, is really white. I mean, it is really white. I mean, there, it's a lot of people often say if you can name, you know, all the, the people of color that are popular. Uh, voiceover actors on one hand, then that's like an achievement because they're they're that hard to find. And uh, 
and because of these things, because you've got incredible voice actors that can really do things, you know, for different characters. And, yeah. and if you watch, go ahead. I was going to say Keith David cannot play every every African American <laughs> character. Exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I just watched They Live again for the fiftieth time with Katie, and uh, I don't know good. that guy. That guy can play anything. All right. So just, let's not <laughs> let's not downplay Keith David. You know, the few, the proud, the Marines, and he could kick Roddy Piper's ass in the back alley. So there it is. I don't know. that guy could do anything. <laughs> and then he could also deliver the line, "How'd you get the beans above the Frank?" Because that's yeah. That's, that's just cool. That's him. That's him. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it definitely needed to happen. I mean, Kristen Bell was on Central Park and uh, Jenny Slate was on Big Mouth, really is almost favors to the creators of, of those shows. I mean, Jenny Slate's good friends with Nick Kroll, uh, and that's his show. So that's why she was on it. Uh, Kristen Bell, obviously, you know, classmates, I think, with Josh Gad at Carnegie Mellon University when they were there to get together. By the way, if you ever, if you're, a theater nerd like me and you watch Central Park, every single cast member on that show was in school in college together at Carnegie Mellon. So Ben, imagine oh, wow. you and I getting together and doing an animated series for Apple TV. That's based on the situation. So well, I, I'm hoping that this podcast just goes into that, right? Right. It just lends itself to that. But can we uh, call it theater major? That'd be amazing. Uh, podcast. I'm going to write that now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm happy, and I and and actually, I don't know if you saw on Twitter there was a, a tweet that kind of caught fire of this uh, of this black actress who who just tagged Nick Kroll and said, "Nick, I do a killer impression of the, of this kid. Uh, I think it's her Missy. I, I can't remember. Yeah, it's anything. Missy. Missy. Uh, can I audition? And sure enough, she did like four seconds of improv, and she's spot on. So. Um, Hopefully that, that hopefully yeah you can find an actress that literally sounds exactly like that character, and uh, yeah I'm I'm all for it man good stuff good well, stuff you know what and Josh that's a great story I mean it listen and we're not we're we're giving kudos to those actresses because you know they did it as a favor and it wasn't like you know like the King and I or something crazy like that it was mm. it's something that is taking the job from people that of color that you know, in this industry of acting and writing and producing and everything like to make it in this industry, it's like a million to one. <laughs> and then if you're a person of color, it's like a billion to one. So it's good for them for just, you know, loosening up the belt. And then Kristen Bell can just sit on all that Dak Shepard money. You know, <laughs> I think, I think, wait a second. I think Dak Shepard is sitting on Kristen Bell money. Oh, you know how much money he made on punk? Just so much. She was Veronica Mars. The woman's a goddess. She's getting that Disney without movie a too. paddle. What about without a paddle? That movie made so much money on DVD sales. She she was she was Anna. She is Anna. Yep. She's our Anna. Disney money. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Good stuff, man. Um, all right. So for my third pick, real quick, um, just to just this is really not a point of discussion. I want to say, but it's just more more of a plug, if that if if you will. Um, Hulu and HBO are doing a really cool thing. Uh, really for the past couple of weeks where they are offering uh, people to watch uh, the Watchmen for free. Oh yeah. So um, it's a great opportunity to see what I feel is one of the best seasons of television uh, I've seen really in the past couple of years. I mean, really, I, I, if I really thought about it, maybe 10, 15 years to be quite honest with you, it's, it's that freaking good. Um, my wife has never seen it. We've been watching one episode per night, and 
we got to episode six where spoiler alert she swallows oh. all the memory pills. Yeah. Oh my god, I just watched it last night. Oh, oh. you did? Oh, dude. <laughs> so I mean that's one of the best episodes. That's one of the best hours of television, period. 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 And her mouth was like on the floor throughout that entire episode. And it it's you know, with everything going on in the world right now, could not have been better. I think it's required viewing for anybody right now. Um, it's, you know, that first, that first opening scene in the, in the first episode, good Lord. Uh, if that doesn't rattle you as a human being, uh, then there is something deep seatedly wrong with you. Uh, if that does not, you know, shake you to your core. So watch Watchmen. Uh, I'm watching it again. Uh, you know, having seen it the first time. So I'm picking up on little things that I didn't notice before, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, guys, any, anything you want to add there? Uh, yeah, yes. you, yeah. Okay. Uh, Josh, go ahead first. Go ahead. All right. Uh, just, uh, two things. I, uh, as I said, I just saw episode six for the first time last night. Uh, it's, it was phenomenal. I've been loving it. I don't fully understand everything. Uh, I, I, you know, there's a lot to take in. And I think like after I'm done watching it, I'm going to go back and watch the, uh, the whole thing all over again. Um, but the, the opening sequence that you hit on in the first episode. So the Tulsa race massacre in oh, 1921. Very prominent right now. Right. Um, and, and rightfully so it is something that, that is not taught and should be taught. Um, there is a great podcast um, that I've, they're up to their 11th episode on it. It is called black wall street, uh, 1921, uh, which I would, after you've done, you're done listening to our podcast and downloading all of the podcasts from the onstage blog network um you should download and listen to black wall street 1921 uh which is fantastic uh mm. worth your, definitely worth your time um and i hbo also did a companion podcast uh with the watchman uh as they did with chernobyl and uh uh, uh the plot against america um i'm hope i i downloaded it but i haven't listened to it yet so uh, I'm looking forward to de delving into that also. Nice. Ben, anything you want to add? Yeah. You know, I've talked about that show. Not, I mean, I'm not going to spoil anything like I have. Um, so, Chris, when you were showing the wife, um, what was her history or what did she do before the show or did she go in cold? She went in cold. I mean, I, okay. I, kind, of, I kind of told her little things about the, the graphic novel, like what's important that she should know up until this point. Um so I said, look, you know, this happens in New York. This is the, you know, Jeremy Irons is the guy that technically did it. You don't know where he is yet. Um, blah, 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 blah. So I kind of gave her the gist. She's seen the Zack Snyder film version. Um, okay. Okay. Right, the reason why I ask is I haven't, you know, Katie's been asking to watch it and I have the book here and that's really the way to do it. But yeah. um, just being honest, you know, all right, listen. Okay. So Josh, you've seen the Zack Snyder Watchmen, right? Course. Okay, so the thing that is probably and did you read the book too? Yes. Okay, so like for me, the thing that is huge, the only thing that is huge is the like. So I I like on Voodoo. I love Voodoo. Zack Snyder's Watchmen was five bucks. The director's cut, and it's a it, listen. There's a lot of opinions about Zack Snyder I can go into, and we have on this pod, mm. but. <laughs> It's almost, it's almost page for page yeah. until the very ending. Yep. 
Do you guys remember the very ending of the yep. movie? Yep. Inexplicable too. Yeah. And it, it doesn't make any sense why he changed it. I, I don't get it. And maybe that was a studio call. I don't know, but it's almost page for page. So if you watch that and just stop it at the ending and say, okay, instead of him nuking everywhere, there's a giant squid monster that he makes. And that's why the squids are falling in the beginning of the Watchmen show. You know what? Like they're everyone's pushing for this Zack Snyder cut of uh, stupid Batman, Superman. Where the hell we're gonna watch or wherever the fuck it is? Um, <laughs> they should. He should go back and redo the end of that movie. It'd be so. It's all CGI. It'd be so easy now. Right. Right. Um, and then you could show that to people, and then get into the Watchmen. That's the biggest downfall of this whole thing. But Josh, I am so excited for you. Buckle up, sir. Yeah. Buckle up. So after after last night's episode, um, I I went back and and rewatched just the the opening credit sequence uh, for the Watchmen, which I I think is the most interesting opening credits uh, in the history of film, and I know that is a bold statement. No, you're you're, the you're way he, son, dude. The way he does it, and and it's long because the times they are changing is a long song, uh, and it it fits. And I'm gonna step on my YouTube in a little bit, but there's a there's a guy who did like an hour and fifty minute uh, breakdown of the opening credits of the movie uh, with all of the sociological and historical elements of it, and also all of its connections to uh, you know the the DC universe and everything, like right down to you know when when you see the first night owl punching the burglar as the as the credits start up that that's yeah. Bruce, Bruce and Martha Wayne standing yeah. behind him, yeah. leaving the Gotham theater. Like it's, there's insane shit, uh, in, in there. Um, and so like last night when, you know, you, you get really the origin story of, of hooded justice, um, that, that you have in the background, you see the silhouettes of the original six silk Spectre and the comedian and the first night owl and dollar bill. And like, it's awesome. It's so, it was so cool watching that last night and, and leaving aside the fact, like it's an amazing hour of television, uh, that, you know, I couldn't like, I couldn't blink cause I thought I was going to miss something. I thought there was some element yeah, of that. I was going to miss. Yeah. It brings yeah. you back to that place. I mean, that, that episode changes the whole show and, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the whole show when you get to the end because I'm with Chris. It, I, I can't believe so. Like, so Chris, you know how you were saying, you know, I, you, if you don't feel anything during that first 20, 10 minutes or whatever the fuck uh, of the first episode during the Tulsa um, massacre, uh, for me, I watched it at Comic Con. Thank you, On Stage Blog. Yep. I watched it at Comic Con. And I watched that live three months before anyone saw that the full episode with Jeremy Irons watching with me, the whole cast sitting there with us. And, and a lot of the cast had never seen like Regina King. Everyone was there and no one had seen like the, the, the official cut of the episode. Mm. And so I'm sitting there and we just get cattle, you know, we get cattled in. To the to the Javits Center, which was the overflow COVID <laughs> arena. This is so weird that I was there. <laughs> it's so weird. And Lynette was super pissed because she didn't get in because I had the press pass and everything. 
I get cattled in. I'm sitting next to uh, a black couple. I'm sitting next to an Asian couple. And, you know, Mr. Guy Whitey right here is sitting there. I'm like, I like comic books, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> and all of a sudden, we watch this massacre of black people on the screen. Mm. And the whole audience, I don't think we were ready for that. And maybe, Josh, we were ready for an introduction like the movie. You know what I mean? Like something like that's kind of objective that shows all this fucked up shit, but it's kind of from a distance. And so you can kind of view it and analyze it. And it was so visceral. And all of us in these seats were quiet for Mm. the rest of the episode because that first 10 minutes is so powerful. You were just in awe. It, it, it was something yeah. that I will never experience again in my life. And I think that show resonates more today than ever before. And I can't wait to rewatch it. So Chris, you went in cold. I'm going to go in cold with Katie. I can't wait. I'll report yeah. back. And, uh, and just on, on a kind of just to finish a thought, uh, I am absolutely, I thought about this long and hard. I'm, I'm okay with it just being a one season thing. I'm, yeah. I'm okay. I've, yeah. I've, and they've, they've talked about that. And Regina yeah. King said, it's okay being a one season thing too. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for Josh, but I'm fine with it being a one season thing. Yeah, Josh, yeah. when you get to the uh, end, they, they've said that she. It's okay. It's all right. But I know that there's there's been issues with between HBO and Damon Lindelof, and I know that Regina King had said, you know, if he's not back, we're not back. Um, so I don't know what that. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you know when I when I find out. Love it. All right, boys. Just like Jordan, just like Jordan and Phil, right there. (laughs) Let's go YouTube and folks, let's do it. Yeah, YouTube it. I'm gonna go in reverse order. Josh, what do you got for for YouTube? All right, so I stepped on my I stepped on my first one, which was the uh, the breakdown of the first five minutes of uh, of the Watchmen. Um, So two other ones, uh, just of interest. One of them, uh, I went down this rabbit hole the other day. are you guys familiar with the, the game The Last of Us, the yeah. video game? Yep. Okay, so The Last of Us 2 uh, came out uh, this past week or maybe the week before. Uh, long-awaited game, super depressing from what I hear. It's on PlayStation, so I will not get to, get to play it. Um, but one of the uh, things that you can do in, in the game is, uh, as the, the main character, uh, I believe is Ellie, uh, is pick up the guitar and you can play it. You can actually play the acoustic guitar uh, as part of the the game. So people are making from this super depressing game videos of themselves playing acoustic guitar as Ellie. And lo and behold, in this super uplifting game, is that like there are hundreds of videos of people playing as Ellie, playing Johnny Cash's version of Hurt. By Nine Inch Nails on the Jesus. on the guitar. <laughs> so you got to look up uh, the last the Last of Us Two and uh, and Hurt, and uh, you will not be disappointed. There are literally uh, tens and hundreds of uh, oh yeah. videos out there, wow. and they're all and they're all really good. They're all really good, and you'll start singing it in your head, and it's and then you'll get sad because that's what happens. Well, um, I cry anyway when I hear that song. Never mind the video. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> buckle up, buddy. Um, <laughs> so that's the that's the sad one. On a happy note, 
um, since we're all in agreement that base, the baseball season is only going to last a couple of weeks before it gets shut back down again, uh, have you guys heard of uh, MLW, Major League Wiffle Ball? Yes. Yes, I have. Okay. Oh. So, oh, Ben, you're going to love this shit. These are super highly produced broadcasts of wiffle ball games uh, from these dudes' backyards in, uh, I believe it's in Michigan, Brighton, Michigan. Um, you're gonna, you're absolutely gonna. Oh love my it. god, dude! <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. They've got like, they've got like seven cameras. Uh, they switch. They do slow mo. There's good commentary. Ben, you're gonna Wait, lose there's a draft. Your... Yeah, <laughs> there's a draft. I see the 2020 draft right here. You're gonna you're gonna lose your shit. Uh, you oh, know, say goodbye say goodbye to your weekend, my friend. Yeah, I'm subscribing right now. Amazing. So enjoy. That's what I got for you guys. Good stuff, man. Good stuff, Ben. What do you got for YouTube, my friend? All right, I got a, um some music actually. You know, Ooh. YouTubing is so diverse. We can watch wiffle ball on it. We can watch the beginning of the Watchmen video or movie or anything like that. I got three videos. So, guys, I share this on my Facebook. I highly encourage you to watch this video. It's Rick Astley, you know, never going to give you up. Fame. Uh, and he is in his basement in his house, and he is singing the song Everlong by the Foo Fighters. <laughs> and wait till you see this. You're going to be in, uh, first of all, I didn't know this guy could play guitar. Second of all, I mean, I know he has this low baritone voice, but he goes there and it is awesome. It is one of the best performances of a song, like a cover song I've ever, this one, this one might go viral. I might, I might be saying something. I shared it. A lot of people liked it. Check it out, guys. It's on my Facebook page. Uh, Everlong by the Foo Fighters by the official Rick Astley page. Next, um, speaking of Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, uh, I want to talk about Anderson Pack, uh, which I love that guy. He produced uh, Dr. Dre produced his last album. He had uh, Smokey Robinson on his last album. I have it on vinyl. It's so good. Um, but he has a song called Lockdown that came on five days ago. Fully produced video. It's all about Black Lives Matter. It's an awesome song. Check that out. And then from his house. This one was really good. I got way into this. Paul Simon live doing Homeward Bound. Awesome. Um, wait till you see this. I mean, listen, Paul's got to be up getting close to 80. And, you know, you're looking at him like when, but when this, the video starts, you're like, okay, Paul, what do you got? And that voice and the guitar, it, 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 I don't know about you guys, but once that hits me, I'm all in. And I'm like, my God, this guy still has it. Awesome stuff. Those are my three picks for the week. Nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So real quick, um, this is actually, it, it's kind of like a co YouTube co Twitter video that's been circulating around, but some genius out there. And I say genius. I don't throw this word around lightly. So this is truly genius. Somebody, are you guys parks and rec fans? Either of you? I've seen it. Uh, yeah, yeah. kind of. Okay. So every now and then they would do town meetings on parks and rec and the townspeople of Pawnee, would come in and just say ridiculous things and they would have to sit there and listen to it. Well, someone genius out there decided to cut in scenes and clips from actual town meetings of people getting <laughs> upset about wearing masks and coronavirus. And it's, so they took all these basically viral clips, 
really spliced them together expertly. And it is the funniest, like two minutes you'll ever say. So uh, basically just look up parks and rec, like town meeting. It'll be the first thing that comes up. It's, it's glorious. It's, it's gloriously edited. I cannot stress that enough because you're taking these crazy people. And again, if you love parks and rec, you know exactly how this meshes in with those town meetings. Um, it's great. So definitely get a chance to watch that. It's, it's fantastic. Awesome. Chris, that um, is great. That's a great way to end because, you know, I, you guys, I get a sense that you guys have been safe through this whole thing and oh, yeah. been quarantined. I saw my parents for the first time in like a hundred days. It was great. Uh, but we've been safe as balls, you know what I mean? Through this whole thing. And you go out and everything's cool. And then until someone's not cool, yep. <laughs> until someone rolls in without a mask and it's like, we got to go. And it's just weird. And it gets so weird up here. And even though we live in New York and Connecticut and everywhere that's, we're going down, we don't want to go up again because that was terrible. And so Chris, great ender right there. And let me just say one more thing, Ben, because you brought it up. Lynette's not here. You know, Josh is our legal correspondent. Lynette's our medical professional. But let me put it this way. If anybody out there is says to you, I have a medical condition that prevents me from wearing a mask, they're lying out of their teeth. Um, I've talked, yeah. I've heard oh, yeah. from many medical professionals have said, if, if there is a situation where you have a respiratory issue where you can't wear a mask, then you will have an oxygen mask on you. So either way, you're going to have a mask on your face. So that's BS. Uh, people are lying to you. And if anybody says to you, Ben or Josh, that they rode Splash Mountain for the characters, they're lying too. So that's like guys. I watched Zack Snyder's uh, Watchmen for the atomic bombs at the end. They're lying. Exactly. Or I, I read I, I I read Playboys for the interview. Like that's, that's a blatant lie. So there you go, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was great this week. This is a really good one. Um, ben, any last words before we sign off? No, just, you know, watch The Watchmen, wear a mask, stay safe, keep New York and the tri-state area safe. Rock and roll, kids. There it is. Josh, anything you want to add? Yeah, I want to plug uh, our uh, Rotary Club, uh, which has unfortunately had to cancel our big summer uh, festival this year, oh, wow. uh, is going to be doing a uh, socially distant and safe road rally. Ooh, uh, through Northern yeah. Livingston County on August 8th. Uh, so find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter. Uh, look for my Facebook page for, for details coming up. We'd love to have people from out of the area uh, coming in and helping us. We support a lot of good causes with the money that we raise. So awesome. thank you. Awesome, man. Love it. Uh, lastly, folks, I just want to plug something real quick. We started a brand new podcast on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network last week. Uh, it is called Definitive cinema this is a podcast i think i have to get you guys on whoa at some point too. Oh. Yeah. whoa so what's what we, going on oh i'm dropping bombs <laughs> dropping a bomb on you so uh me and two other guys i i do have a life outside this podcast uh, well, <laughs> our chief Ken, uh <laughs> who so we created a podcast under the premise of if basically aliens landed on the planet and asked ben give us one movie to define nicholas cage's career uh, so or give me a give me the 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 definitive Tom Savini experience. Oh my God! Wait, a movie? We got a, a movie? My um, God, Chris! Wait, uh, wait. We've been going for a while now. We got three hours to go through this. I can't. Tom so, Savini. It's it's obviously Sex Machine. In, yeah. uh, oh, you know it's hard in to be Sex Machine. Dawn. 
you know, his character so, in Knight Riders, the K, <laughs> the George Romero underrated classic with Ed Harris. Uh, it's probably that or Sex Machine. Yeah. So there you go. So that's basically the premise of the show. And each week, what we do is we bring basically our picks for what we feel is a definitive pick for that week's topic. And it could be a specific actor. It could be a specific director. It could be a genre of film. It could be a plot line of a film. Like what is the definitive uh, natural disaster film? Uh, You know, things like that. That is what we are going to break down on definitive cinema. Last week we did Tom Cruise to kick off our entire. Oh God. What is the definitive Tom Cruise movie? This week, I you know what? I'm sorry that I'm sorry we did this without you, uh, but we did Quentin Tarantino. So, um, at some point, like I got scene movie or what, movie. What? Like, what is the definitive? What oh, is the wow. definitive? that's a silly statement. <laughs> just, there it is. There it is. Give me six hours on a podcast, and maybe we'll get to the bottom of this. Yeah, how much time we got? Yeah, I love it. Uh, Thirty minutes actually, so it's it's a short one. But uh, anyway, thirty minutes. It's a, it's a quick, it's a quick listen. It's a quick listen. I won't lie. Um, <laughs> so we'll definitely have to get you guys on that at some point. Any, yeah. Anytime you want to do the, the Josh and Ben Snyder cut of, uh, of that show where it's three, three hours of what's the best cameo in a Tarantino movie. Then, Ooh, then what's the I'm, I'm coming on. You know what? I'm coming on that podcast. Super hot. I'm coming on. Like Macho Man doing the cream of the crop speech, and then Josh, you'll be the Piper. You'll be the Piper's pit. You'll be Roddy oh, Piper. Yeah. I love oh, it. I love it. I love it. So yeah, cream rice <laughs> the Definitive Cinema. It's on uh, the On Stage Pod Podcast Network right now. It's also on Spotify, Stitcher, and guys, it's on YouTube now. And we're splicing in video clips the whole nine yards. So it's outstanding. It's gonna be awesome. Outstanding, Chris. Can't wait for you to have you on it. Folks, we'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. Peace.